Good job. Good job, team. Good job. Good job. No one's looking at you. You can sit down. <laughs> All right. Good job. Good job, team. All right. Man, I, I, I hope too many people with sweaters on today, man. I got all this like white lint all over my suit now. It was all worth it though. Hallelujah. All right, all right, all right. Happy New Year, everyone. All right. Well, as you saw in the video, uh, our theme for the year of 2010 was Epic Faith. And uh, it was indeed a year of faith-increasing um, event after event, uh, different guest speakers visiting, uh, various outreaches, mission trips that we had. It was a faith-increasing year. Amen? Yeah. And uh, as I've been announcing already in our prayer meetings, uh, 2011, we've been declaring, is the year of intimacy. Is the year of intimacy. And 2011 is already upon us. We are into January 2nd. We are entering and we have entered the year of intimacy. 2011 is going to be a year of developing intimacy with God. With your family. With your spouse. Friends. Your small group members. And intimacy with the body of Christ. Amen. The relationships that you invest on will no longer draw an empty return. If intimacy was cash, you will be wealthy by the end of the year. Amen? Hallelujah. God's going to pour out the wisdom, grace, and love for you to go deep in your relationships this this year. And so we, we were trusting God for an amazing year of intimacy. I believe that God will heal your strange relationship with your mother or with your sibling and set things up for you guys to go into a deeper intimacy. I believe that God will touch your small groups in ways in which you will reach deep levels of intimacy and discussion that you did not reach in 2010. And although you may have had best friends come and go all throughout your life, In 2011, I declare that the friends that you make this year will be friends that will stay around a lifetime and friends with whom you are going to do kingdom and amazing work for the Lord. Friends that you're going to go deep in relationship and in love with. And as this is the year of intimacy, I also believe that, uh, you know, we're going to see... Just receive it, sister, before I even say it. We will see an abundance of marriages. <laughs> Take it. <as> ben- <laughs> wow. <laughs> as Pastor Benjamin says. Take it. All right. Now, seriously, I mean, I mean, you, you got you to gotta take that to your heart. If it's the year of intimacy, well, why wouldn't there be an abundance of marriages? You know, marriages are all about intimacy. All right. And uh, married couples will see an increase in the frequency of intimacy. <laughs> Amen, married couples. Yeah. Praise the Lord. That's intimacy. That's an important aspect of intimacy. 
All the melancholies in the room will no longer be depressed and lonely. They will experience deep intimacy in 2011. All the goal-oriented cholerics will run around accomplishing lots of tasks as usual. But this year, they will get the greatest satisfaction in accomplishing the goal of developing deep relationships. Sanguines will continue to enjoy being popular with everybody. But they will also mature into learning how to invest and be devoted to a few. Phlegmatics will enthusiastically organize trips, getaways, so that they can experience deep intimacy with each other and with the church. I believe that this is the year of intimacy. And where last year our church's schedule was packed with events and we were constantly busy, being stretched to our limits so that our faith could increase, uh, this year the leadership we have intentionally scheduled uh, our schedule, our, our planned our schedule, so that it will be relatively free. So that we can really get intimate with Jesus and with each other. I'm thankful for 2010. It was a year in which God tested us and established us in many key areas for our church. Um, he tested and established our membership covenant to be stronger than it was before. He tested us as we prepare for the Niagara Conference in the middle of the year. He established our core values, our core leaders. He established a culture of honoring the prophetic and apostolic. He established my relationship with Pastor Benjamin, my new spiritual father. He established our new church plant. He established our new sanctuary and our new office. I mean, it was a year in which God was really testing our church and establishing strong foundations on which he will build a powerful movement here at New Philadelphia Church. And now that the foundations and structures have been tested and firmly laid, I believe that it's time to focus on strengthening our relationships and fellowship with each other. Our koinonia, as it says, as they say in the Greek. Because this is the year of intimacy. Amen? So yeah, we'll do barbecues. Sports events. Picnics. Retreats. But that's not all. Whenever we do the work of the Lord, I believe that when, even when we do uh, evangelism outreaches and mission trips, that there will be an emphasis on intimacy. People will go to mission trips, perfect strangers, and they will return BFFs. People will connect on deep levels at prayer meetings. This is going to be the year of intimacy. If you receive it, say, come on with it. Last week, I talked about do not go out naked, meaning do not live your life, walk the Christian walk, or go out and do the work of the Lord without proper covering. If you do, you're going to get beat down by the devil, like the sons of Sceva experienced in the book of Acts. And I talked about the importance of proper covering and how covering comes only through relationship. You know, you can read, you know, all of Rick Warren's books and listen to all of Rick Warren's sermons. It does not mean that you have the covering of Rick Warren and Saddleback Church. You got to be in relationship with the man in order for you to get a covering from him. That's a key truth that we, that I established in the house last, last week. 
Covering comes through relationship. Covering comes through relationship. So that means that if covering comes through relationship, that means the deeper the intimacy you have with the leadership of this church, the thicker the covering you will experience on your life. Hallelujah. So this is the first Sunday of the new year. And I decree and declare that 2011 is the year of intimacy for New Philadelphia, the New Philadelphia tribe, as some people like to call us. Um, you know, there are some people in here, and uh, all your life you've been living with walls up around your hearts. And it's not your fault. It was your reaction to hurts and wounds that you experienced as you walked this Christian walk or as you lived your life. Or some of you experienced it when you were very young. And when you were very, very young. And it was actually a form of God's grace dispensed to you to put those walls up. Because if you didn't put those walls up, some people wouldn't have survived. You wouldn't have been able to process and deal with the horror of what happened to you. But I'm telling you right now, in this year, it's the year of intimacy. God's going to begin to powerfully and very specifically call you out of that place. Call you out of your walls and bring you into a place of intimacy where you are fully known and fully accepted. You know, right now, I decree and declare that indeed 2011 is the year of intimacy for the New Philadelphia tribe. And I also overturn and reject every attack of the enemy, emotional, psychological, organizational, that Satan may try to set up to drive a wedge between the people of this church. I reject that work right now. And I decree and declare that we shall prosper. We shall experience deep intimacy with each other. Deep intimacy with our family members. I believe that God is also going to release a grace this year. For certain people that had trouble forgiving someone. God is going to release that grace. So that you can be fully. You can fully forgive that person and be done with it. And begin to be loved and love. As God loves you. You know. People are going to look upon our church, and I believe that in the future, they're going to look upon our church, and they're going to covet the deep intimacy experienced in this house. You know, people, people go to bars looking for that. People go to clubs looking for it. People go to sporting events. You know, you ever go to a sporting event, and your team is on fire, and they're about to go to the championship? You become instant best friends with everybody singing in your row. For some men, they, 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 they experience that, that level of connection and intimacy. And they continue to go out to these events thinking that that's where they're going to find true intimacy. And it is a form of intimacy. But it's not a form of lasting intimacy. Because usually if the team's doing bad the next year, the intimacy's all gone. <laughs> intimacy formed at this hour, I believe, will serve as the glue... That will keep new businesses, new marriages, new restaurants, schools, ministries prospering for many, many years. If any of you have tried your 
your luck at a business venture, you will know how important it is to have good relationship with your business partners. Good relationship with a ministry partner. And what you will notice is it can start out great, but Satan will begin to attack it. Especially when there is not deep intimacy there. Satan will attack it before that deep intimacy could be established. And we as God's people, we got to recognize those attacks. Because sometimes uh, the type of things that God calls us to do in partnership with each other, they're so big that we need that type of deep, true intimacy so that we don't buckle and we don't go our separate ways when the pressure gets high. 2011 is the year of intimacy. And as we enter this year of intimacy, I want to share with you three keys to develop intimacy with God and with each other. Three keys. Number one, make a commitment. You know, before you can experience intimacy in any relationship, a commitment is required. And a lot of people, they they fail to realize this. A lot of people, they rather... Wait to make a commitment till after they've experienced intimacy with someone. We see true intimacy does not work that way. True and lasting intimacy is not incidental but intentional. It requires a commitment. Before you experience that intimacy, it requires commitment. For example, men, if you want intimacy with someone that you are romantically interested in, you got to make a commitment first. I'm not just talking about going out on the first date. If you want to, if you really, really like her and you really, really think she's cute and you want to get intimate with her, I'll tell you right now, you got to make a commitment. And the deeper the commitment, the more deeper the commitment, the greater the access you will have in intimacy with that person. And, uh, you know, women, they will instinctively look for a commitment before they open up to you. You know, some men, they chase after a girl, and they're pretty sure that the girl kind of likes them back, has some interest. But then the moment that the guy starts to kind of show some interest, she gives him the cold shoulder. Women instinctively, they do this. right? Because women, they don't even think about it, but they know that, They need to get a commitment before they open up more to you. It is a dangerous thing for a woman to open up too much before they first get a commitment. In fact, some women would just be straight up cold and distant until they see that the man is making himself vulnerable and is serious about the relationship and makes a commitment. And you know what? This is wisdom. If I was a pretty girl... I want to just open up myself to a guy. Mm-mm. That's not smart. That's not smart. There's a lot of young women who do this. You know, young, immature, in, in our immaturity, a lot of young women, they open up too soon. And they get prematurely intimate with their boyfriends. And then they end up feeling betrayed when the man casually walks away from the relationship. They're shocked. They're like, well, we were experiencing such intimacy. How could he casually walk away? Well, there was no commitment. That's why. You were enjoying intimacy without the commitment. And you pay the price 
of enjoying that intimacy without commitment. Commitment is a prerequisite to deep intimacy, brothers and sisters. And at different stages of a romantic relationship, there's different levels of commitment. Gives access to the couple for deeper levels of intimacy. And when the ultimate commitment, best summed up by the word covenant, when the ultimate commitment, the covenant of marriage is made, the relationship is consummated by the most powerful symbol of intimacy God has given mankind. Video games. You didn't know that's what couples do in their honeymoon? They play video games all, all day. Because that's how you... No, I'm just kidding, right? We all know what I'm talking about. All right, God has given us this powerful symbol of intimacy to consummate the covenant of marriage. You know, in Genesis chapter 4, verse 1, it says that Adam knew his wife Eve and she got pregnant. What's that talking about there? <laughs> Thank you for being subtle. <laughs> right, obviously we know that it's talking about sex. God equates sex with knowing someone. Think about that. You see, sex is not supposed to be this leisurely pleasure that you can buy like a cup of coffee. That's what Satan tries to paint. He tries to twist and pollute sex that way. But I'm telling you right now, the very design and definition of sex is to know someone and to know them intimately. The Hebrew word for know here is yada or yada. I don't know. I forget my Hebrew. (laughs) Same difference. Doesn't matter to you, right? Yada. And it conveys the intimacy of two people who know each other in a deep, personal, and experiential way. Now, God designed sex to be set apart and reserved for two people who know each other. All right, who know each other deeply, intimately. Sex is for two people that have united together emotionally, financially, residentially. I mean, it's for keeps. And when two people know each other this intimately, there is nothing on this earth that expresses that intimacy more beautifully than sex. I mean, doing aerobics together, eating ice cream together, playing video games doesn't do it. But sex does. Sex really does express that intimacy most beautifully. And when people take sex outside of the context of a marriage commitment, they desecrate God's design. They sin against him and against their own bodies. And they miss out on what God designed sex to be. Satan, they allow Satan to twist it and pervert it. So that they have to unlearn those things as they come into a marriage, a marriage covenant. Some people think that sex will actually speed up their relationship. That it will speed up their intimacy with the person that they like. But this is a complete lie. In fact, uh, when you have sex outside of marriage, it actually slows down the process of getting to know someone. Uh, Some of you may have experienced this. You know, the physical stimulation, it tends to tyrannize the relationship. It tends to 
be, ever, be the obsession of the relationship. It tends to take over, overshadow the relationship. And since there is now a pattern of giving in to the flesh, the relationship becomes very self-centered on both ends. The couple may not communicate as much as they used to. Because whereas before their communication was the way in which they experienced intimacy, now they have physical sex, they have sexual encounters that, in which they experience intimacy, and they feel like, well, I feel that intimacy here, so I guess I, we don't really need to go that deep in our conversation. And it actually will impede and will hinder a person from getting to know someone. And when the physical aspect dominates a relationship, it also tends to uh, mask serious weaknesses and dangers that are very clear to everyone in the relationship. So many people end up with a person that knows their body but does not know their heart. You take sex outside of the context of marriage, I'm telling you right now, all right, you're going you're gonna to have a brick, heartbreak, devastation on your hands. You're going to have to learn, unlearn a lot of different things. And whatever intimacy that you do have with that person, when you break up, it'll feel like you just experienced a counterfeit of that intimacy. And indeed, it is a counterfeit when it's outside of commitment. Brothers and sisters, don't do that to yourself. The commitment must be established before you experience deeper intimacy. Amen? Amen. And what is true of romance is also true in our relationship with God. You know, if you want greater intimacy with God in 2011, you got to make sure that you're fully committed to him. God is not looking for a girlfriend. He's not looking for a cheap date. He's looking for a bride. He's not looking to just take you to a conference or retreat and give you a thrill. And then disappear and walk out of your life. God is much more committed than that. So if you want to get intimate with God and experience his purposes for your life. Hear the whispers of heaven. Move in the anointing of the spirit. Walk in the fullness of his joy. You got to make a commitment. And if you're, if you're straying from that commitment, you got to renew that commitment. If you want to be half-hearted and play Christianity and do things your own way, I prophesy you will never enjoy the, you will never experience the joys of intimacy with God. It will always just be like an elusive thing for you. Love will just be a conceptualized thing for you. For you to go deep in your love and intimacy with God, it requires commitment. And for every believer, he or she must remember that a full commitment to God is twofold. So let me preach right here. First is a personal commitment you make between you and God. In this personal commitment, you open up your heart, you repent of your sin, you invite Jesus into your life as your Savior and Lord, and you make a covenant to live for his purposes and for his glory. That is the first aspect of commitment to God. But there's a second aspect that many believers overlook. The second is a public commitment you make before God and before man. And that is expressed through water baptism and membership in a local church. 
So let me give to you guys today a word and medicine to your soul that you may not really want at this moment and at this hour. But I'm going to spit it out to you. Because eventually your head or heart is going to catch up to what I'm speaking about today. If your commitment to God is not twofold, your commitment is incomplete. You can go up and sing all the songs at the the loudest voice that you can conjure up. You can go to all all the retreats and listen to as many tapes as you want. But unless your commitment is twofold before God, your commitment is incomplete. You got to think of it this way. If you start dating a hot guy or girl next month, and at about five weeks, you guys talk over dinner at a nice restaurant and you declare yourselves to be married, does that make you married? Sure, it doesn't. The marriage is not a real commitment that you can be held accountable for until you appear before your family and friends and before God and declare, I do. Any knucklehead can explain that to you. There's no country in the world that you can go to that defines marriage that way. They just go out on a date and, oh, wow, that date was so good we got married on that date. No one does that. It's a public aspect of this covenant. It's the same in your relationship with God. You know, you really cannot be held accountable to live a holy and pure and healthy Christian life until you've made a public confession that Jesus is your Lord and Savior through water baptism and join membership with a local church. A local visible church. I'm not talking about the invisible universal body of Christ. I'm talking about a visible local church with all their flaws and imperfections. And if I, if I had to remind you, God is the one that commanded water baptism. And he is the one that established a visible local church, brothers and sisters. When the apostles did their ministry, the apostles planted visible local churches. What are they? Do you think they were just planning invisible universal churches that nobody really know how to get to? Nobody knew where they were really meeting every other week, you know? Nobody really knew who was in and who was out? No. There was a visible local church that the apostles and the prophets of the early book of Acts, they start to establish in the cities of the known world. God instituted that. So when you make your commitment to God or renew your commitment to God, you got to remember that your commitment is twofold. And if, you're, if, you're, if your commitment is, is, not, is, is not complete, I'm telling you, you're going to miss out on this year of intimacy. You're going you're gonna to get all jealous. You're going to get all angry because your neighbor is experiencing it, but you're not. And you're, you're telling God, God, how come she is but not me? Well, that's because commitment is a prerequisite for deeper intimacy. You want to get into the deep things of God? You want to be entrusted with the secrets of God? Well, God wants to see, are you really committed to me and my kingdom? Are you committed to Christ and his church? Christ died for the local, he died for the universal church. But remember that the local visible church has that universal church members in there it may not be 100 percent. i mean who knows right some churches is higher percentage than, than others but it's a visible local manifestation of god's universal church and god wants to know are you committed to that church are you committed to christ and his church 
So, you know, um, you know, perhaps you made a strong commitment to God and you even got water baptized. But let's say every time you come to church, you feel like a stranger. It happens. Even at our church, right? And I know our church is welcoming and our church is hospitable and our church is all smiles. But, you know, it could, it could feel worse when you come to a church like that and you still feel like a stranger. Well, let me give you some advice. If that's your experience, it's real simple. Make a commitment and join membership in a local church. Don't go around naked. Because if you do, you'll make yourself vulnerable to compromise, pride, satanic attack, rebellion, foolishness. Don't go around naked, brothers and sisters. Get some covering. And if you want intimacy with this church community, just hanging out with us isn't going to do it. Because this church, we have a purpose. We have a vision. We're going somewhere. There's a movement going on in this church. And if you're not fully committed to this church and to the local body here, if you just want to be playing in and out and hanging out with us now and then, you're not going to experience intimacy with this community. And I'm telling you right now, it ain't our fault. It ain't our fault. That's on you. That's all on you. And if you feel like our membership responsibilities are too tough, look, go find another church. Go, go find another church. There's plenty of churches in the city, different English ministries here, that you might find that, that it fits you better. But look, I'm telling you right now, if you like the fire that's in this house, you like the extravagant worship that's going on in this house, you like the freedom of God's people that they're experiencing in this house, I'm telling you right now, those things did not come easy for us. I mean, it came easy, but it didn't come easy. I mean, we got to live at a certain standard of God's word and be accountable to each other for it. We're not just around playing church. We're not just showing up every week doing attendance. We're doing life. We're doing his will. So if you, if you want to enjoy all the good stuff, I'm telling you right now, well, then you, you got to submit to the leadership of this house. You got to submit to membership responsibilities here. And if you find it too tough, then go find another church that you feel more comfortable at. But look right now, don't go around naked. You know, it's like, man, let me just preach here, right? It's like, it's like, I love sports because sports gives us so many great analogies for the kingdom. <clears throat> it's like this, Matt. It's like this. Look, it's like this. It's like Michael Vick. <laughs> I know he had a bad performance last week, but it's because he got injured. But check this out. Check this out. Michael Vick... In his, in his game earlier in the year with the Washington Redskins, all right, he, he was trying to run in for a touchdown. He got squished by three uh, Redskins players, and his ribs got collapsed in. And the early reports, the coach was like, oh, he's got a rib cartilage injury. You know, cartilage, like little, you know, flesh around your bones. Like, oh, it got injured. It got a little rib cartilage injury. All right, the truth of the matter was what people forgot in the NFL Later on, they announced it was actually three broken ribs. 
Okay, I don't know if you've ever broken a rib. Anyone in here ever ever broken a rib? God bless you. All right. How about fractured a rib? I fractured a rib. All right. It is one of the most painful injuries to ever experience because when you breathe, you feel the pain. And by the way, you breathe all day. <laughs> when you go to sleep at night, you can't lie down because your 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 rib is injured. Well, I had a fracture and there was that much pain. Michael Vick had three of them, three of them broken, and he came back after missing only two games. Michael Vick is clearly in pain every time he's out there. But guess what? He is committed to the Philadelphia Eagles. And you know what? This is a beautiful story of God's grace. You know why? Because Andy Reid, all right, um... Jeff Lurie and, uh, and uh, Tony Dungy, all these NFL uh, leaders, they were committed to bring Vic back, to restore him after all the mistakes he made. They were committed to him, and Vic responded by giving commitment back. And so he's been committed, going to practices, coming in early, staying late. He is committed. And I'll tell you right now, any of the Philadelphia Eagles teammates, they would, they would, they would do anything for Michael Vic right now. Except a couple immature players that I won't name, but but there's another guy, LeSean McCoy, our running back. He also got a broken rib earlier in the year. That boy put a pad around his rib and he kept playing. And you know how a running back has to play? They have to go into the tackles. They get hit all the time. It's not like a quarterback where they get hit some of the time. Running backs are getting hit all the time. That boy kept pressing in, kept playing every single week. I'll tell you right now, he has the respect and the commitment of every one of the Philadelphia Eagles teammates on that team. It's similar, y'all. Church is very similar. Look, if you're like, if you want to be like, you know, like, you know, just some, some Randy Moss or, you know, you're all got this talent, but you're not really like, committed to the team and you're just going in to practice whenever you want and you show up late all the time and you're just like man so what why were you absent man i don't want to be there so what i want to play i want to play my nintendo all right okay tell you right now a player like that i mean i mean you know you're not going to experience much intimacy with your teammates because every Every Sunday, your teammates are watching you. Are you committed to the team? Are you committed to us winning a Super Bowl? And if they don't see that, I'm telling you right now, those teammates will be like, man, he's just a punk. He's a chump. And you know what? I'm actually upset at one of our star players, Deshaun Jackson, because I'm sorry. This, this player has been playing like a chump for all season. He's been playing like a chump. Every time he's about to take a hit, he like, he like ducks down and then fumbles the ball. Makes me sick to my stomach. I'm sorry, I gotta get away from this. Alright, I'm, I'm gonna stick on this too long. <clears throat> Look, if you wanna experience intimacy with the people of this house, you gotta be committed to this house. I mean, you got to be coming out. You got to be coming out to prayer meetings. I mean, you got to be showing up. You got to be loving on people. You got to be like taking people out for dinner. I mean, you gotta be committed. If you show your commitment, I guarantee you, you will experience intimacy in this house. But if you're not willing to put in a single dime, you're going to feel like a stranger every single week. Don't matter how fickle the praise is. Doesn't matter how many people's names you know. You just be a stranger. You're just going to feel like somebody on the outside looking in. 
And you know what? It's not like we require you to attend church for six months before you feel intimacy. You know, there are some people that come into this church and, man, instantly they experience intimacy with the house. You know why? Because they're all in. They look at the vision. They look at the leadership. And they go, oh, yeah, I'm all in. You know, Danny Kim, when he came last year, he didn't take like six months to test out our church and observe and shop around. Now, he came. God had already prepared his heart through prophetic words. He came and he, he was all in. And instantly he started experiencing intimacy with the relationships that he had around him. Right? Sarah Wan, right, comes to our church. After two months, makes a 10-year commitment to this house. <laughs> Sarah Wan is going to experience intimacy here at New Philadelphia Church. I guarantee you that right now. Hallelujah. Anyway, let's move on. If you want to experience intimacy with a family member, you may have never done this before, but it's good to renew your commitment to them as well. Renew your commitment to call them, to dine with them, to take pictures with them. You know, we take pictures with all our friends, but it's, you know, we, we tend to take for granted our family. You know, our family members are more and more getting onto Facebook. Even our first generation Korean parents, they're getting more and more onto Facebook. And I talked to my mom this morning. I wish her a happy new year. And she said, oh, I, I don't have to worry about my son and his wife because they're doing great. And I was like, how do you know? And she's like, well, I, I, I've been looking at all your Facebook pictures. <laughs> you guys are doing great. I can see, you know. And, you know, and, and, you know, family members, when they see all your Facebook pictures, how many Facebook pictures do you have with your family members, right? I mean, make a commitment to like... To love them. You know, renew that commitment. And I'll tell you, that's gonna, it's gonna set things up for you to get intimacy with them. If you want intimacy with a friend, you gotta make a commitment with them too. I know this sounds kinda weird, right? Let's say you meet Justin, Justin you, right? And you're just like, man, Justin, you're a good looking kid. You seem to have good character. You're on fire for the Lord. I wanna be your friend. And you know what? I am committed to be your friend. Justin would be like, whoa, homie, (laughs) chill out, man. What's this about, right? I mean, if you did that, it would be kind of weird, right? It's kind of weird. It is kind of (laughs) weird. But even in friendship, I'm telling you, if you will make a commitment to a friend, all right, you will reach intimacy with them. If you don't make a commitment with a friend, it's really just you're, you're conditioning your intimacy with that friend just based on circumstances, whether you have circumstances that allow you to see each other a lot. You know, some people, their whole life, they live their whole life, and the only intimacy they experience is with circumstantial people. And so they're constantly getting disillusioned and heartbroken because people are coming and going because, guess what? Circumstances change all the time. So one year, you're close with Caleb. The next year, you're close with Diddy. The next year, you're, 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 you're married to Tina Kang. I don't know, you know, like. <laughs> if all you do is allow circumstances to dictate your intimacy with friends. I mean, you're not being very intentional. You're really forfeiting key friendships that you could easily have nurtured if you would just made a commitment to that friend. So, you know, you, you might be like, it's still weird. I don't, I can't imagine myself going to dinner with my friend this week and saying, you know what? I'm committed to our friendship. 
You know, I, I, I think it's weird. But let me give you an image from the Bible. David and Jonathan. <laughs> David and Jonathan, at the threat of appearing even gay, all right? Because David and Jonathan, they made a covenant with each other. Early in their friendship. They, a, they made a commitment to each other. David saw Jonathan. Jonathan saw David. They looked at each other across the room. They came. said, you're a mighty man. I want to be your friend. And right there, they made a covenant with each other. And, and out of that commitment, there was such an intimacy between these two. That even when Jonathan's father, King Saul, was trying to kill David, Jonathan would not betray this friendship. And even after Jonathan died, David would not betray that friendship. And he honored Jonathan by taking care of Mephibosheth, one of his uh, descendants. (coughs) Brothers and sisters, make a commitment with your friends as well. It might be weird, but later on I'll tell you, you will experience deep intimacy with them. You know, when you try to experience any kind of intimacy... In any relationship, without a commitment, it's like a one-night stand. You, just, you, just, you may have a wonderful time together, but it does not last, and it's going to leave you feeling disillusioned and empty. And my charge to you is don't live life like that. You choose who you want to be friends with. So many, you know, this is what teenagers do. They allow their circumstances to choose their friends. And guess what? They're not the type to smoke weed. They're not the type to go out and steal. But next thing they're stealing, they're smoking weed, slipping around. Why? Because they let their friends choose them. It's not wisdom. Wisdom says, no. You choose your friends. Choose friends with good character. Choose friends with good hearts. Choose friends with wisdom. Friends that are going to have a positive influence. Friends that will be like iron sharpening iron. Choose those types of friends. And make a commitment to them. All right, hallelujah. I mean, I got two more points, but I mean, I can't finish this. All right, so let's do this, right? All right, so the first, uh, first point I've been driving home is simply make a commitment, right? Commitment is a prerequisite for intimacy. Number two is simply express love, right? Express love. Um, there are couples out there, married couples that have commitment, but they don't have, they don't have intimacy. You know what I mean? Just look at a lot of Korean parents, you know? They're, they're committed to each other. They're committed to the marriage. They're committed to raising their children, but there's no intimacy. So obviously, commitment doesn't equate to automatic intimacy, there's two steps you've got to keep in mind. And, and the second and third step, the second step is express your love. You've got to show your love. The Bible says in 1 John 3, 18, Let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor, tell him that. Tell him, we got to love with actions and in truth. You know, just like J-Lo sang about, 
Love don't cost a thing. I mean, love is free. It really is. I mean, it is, you don't have to pay for anything. When you show your love to somebody, it's free. You give it freely. Freely you have received. The Bible tells us to freely give, right? It is free. Love is free, but don't be mistaken. Love is not cheap. Love is costly. Love is inconvenient. If I, if I want to show my love instead of just tell Erin that I love her, but if I really want to show my love in actions and in truth toward her, I got to go out of the way. I mean, sometimes when it comes to our monthly date nights, man, I just, <clears throat> I try to wing it. I, I got I to gotta confess. I just try to wing it. I try to do it last minute. Right? And as we're stepping out of, out of the house and getting in the car, she knows that I did it last minute. Even if I tell her well, we're going to this other restaurant that I chose and stuff. She knows. She can tell when it's last minute. She can tell when I've gone out of the way to really like write up a note, prepare a gift, make the date creative or something. She can tell that. And she can tell when I've just like, oh, well, here's a restaurant. Google. Hello, can I get a reservation? All right. All right, bounce. Hey, honey, let's go. Let's go on our date. I mean, she can tell the difference. Look, love is free, but love is costly. It's the same with God's love for us. God, God's love for us is free. But we all know that it was very costly for him to show his love to us. And that is, that is the model. Our, our very salvation is our model for us that inspires and enables us to love others. Because we have received a love that is so costly, we can give a love that is inconvenient, that is costly. And brothers and sisters, if you want intimacy, you got to show your love. You got to express your love. If you're a married couple, you got to go out of the way and do meaningful things together. You got to go out and go on mission trips together. Go on vacations together. Do household chores together. I don't know. Hug each other more. Kiss each other more. Give gifts when you're not supposed to give gifts. You know, that is such a simple little thing, but I, I, it's so hard for me to do it. <laughs> I, I confess. But yeah, I mean, these are just all great ideas for us to show our love for our spouse. If you, want, if you want to show your love for your friends, I mean, like, communicate. Like, like, like in person or on the phone, not just over text messages and IMs. I mean, this is great. I mean, I love it, right? I love it. I love it. But check this. Turn off your WhatsApp. Turn off your text messaging. And turn on video Skype. Turn on FaceTime. You know, like get some FaceTime. You use it and, and actually hear from them. See their body language. Like communicate. Remember, communication is like, I forget the number. The UCLA study said like it's like 80% nonverbal or something like that. I mean... If you want intimacy with your friends, you've got to show your love. Buy a surprise gift for them too. Write them an encouraging letter. Go to prayer meetings together. Go to a Korean bas- baseball game. I don't know. Like, do something that you normally wouldn't do. Come up, come up with a special handshake between just you and your friend. <laughs> you ever watch Fresh Prince? I mean, come on, man. Oh, yeah. Man, other people see that, they'll be like, oh, I'm jealous. I wish I had that with my friends. But my friends don't care for me. 
All you got, you initiate it. Say, hey, hey. And if they think you're corny and they shoot you down, then, then look for another idea. But take pictures together and then tag them on Facebook and then untag them from the bad ones. The Bible says, whoever tends the fig tree will eat its fruit. Well, I'm telling you, friendships are like a fig tree. You tend to that fig tree, you invest in that friendship, that relationship, and you will eat its fruit. On your wedding day, your friend will be standing next to you, you know, taking care of your hair, straighten out your veil. I mean, and that will be to your joy. Your, your wedding will be that much more special. I mean, I've been to weddings where it's so plain and clear that the people that are on the, on the bridal party are not really that intimate with the bride and groom. I mean, I've been to weddings like that. And it just feels so empty. It's just not the same as when you go to a wedding and the, and the person has like five groomsmen and three of them are just super tight with that, with that groom. And, and, and four of the five are super tight with the bride. You go to a wedding like that, man, those weddings are the most funnest. Those are the ones where you can, you can just feel the love, feel the joy. It's so different than somebody like, oh, um, uh, can you be in my bridal party? Well, I don't really uh, know you, but uh, I guess that Saturday's free. Uh, yeah. I mean, look, check this out. If, if that's the situation you're in, that's, that's just you brought it on yourself. Because whoever tends to a fig tree will eat its fruit. You want to eat the fruit of rich relationships? Well, you've got to tend your fig trees. Show your love. Third step. And, you know, and I've got to skip the, the part about relationship with God. But, you know, it's obvious. You've know, you got to show your love to God. <sighs> It's going to take too long. I know, I know it's going to take way too long if I cover this. But uh, real quick, uh, you know, there's four love languages. I just kind of categorize some activities that you can have with God, like uh, four love languages, quality time, words of affirmation, gifts, and touch, right? In your relationship with God, you can show your love through quality time, right? You're just praying in his presence, devotions, uh, Praying in tongues, uh, even just reading the Bible, listening to a podcast, just reading a book, no agenda, just coming before him and just spending quality time with him. Uh, second could be words of affirmation. Just praise. Just praise. Praise in the, in the sanctuary. Praise on your own, right? When you give God words of, I mean, you obviously don't really need to affirm God. But when you do that, when you express your praise, right, it really repositions your heart in a place where you're able to rightly relate to the Lord. Third, uh, gifts, right? Offerings, your finances, that can touch the heart of God. Don't you realize that? Giving mission support. Giving, giving a gift to a man of God, like a prophet or apostle, someone that comes through, giving them some kind of gift, that, that can touch the heart of God. You can express your love through gifts. Fourth, touch. How do you touch God? All right, that was, this was a hard one. How do you touch God? I think the way you can express your love through the love language of, of touch to God is you do something that so moves his heart. There's no other language to use but to say you have touched the heart of God. And don't think that this is impossible. In the Bible, it gives us the account of a woman with an alabaster jar. Right? She came 
And what she did, it just so touched the heart of God. There are things. But you got to get real creative on this, right? If you really want to touch the heart of God, I mean, you can't just do something like last minute and expect it to touch a God's heart and be like, why are you not touched? You know, like you got to like, you got to like really like create creative or steal somebody else's idea or something. And then you can touch the heart of God. But you can touch the heart of God, brothers and sisters. Anyway, uh, third point, last point. You got to make a commitment. You got to show your love. Lastly, you got to receive love. You want to enjoy intimacy. You want to go deeper. You got to learn how to receive. You got to loosen up. You got to open up. You got to learn how to laugh. You got to put your walls down. You got to learn how to receive. <laughs> you know, and some people, they, they have trouble with this. They're very good at showing love, expressing love. The moment you start to show love back to them, they just get very awkward. <laughs> And you give them this nice long hug, and then they just go like that. (laughs) You want intimacy this year. You got to not only show love, you got to learn how to receive love. And oftentimes, it'll uh, it'll depend on your, your personality, your temperament, but also depend on maybe your past experiences. But I'm telling you right now, God can heal you. You know, you were, by nature, you were created... For love. I mean, God, the Bible says God created us in his image. Right? And if you really look at God, God is a relational God. As God relates to his people in the Bible, he often uses the covenant of marriage as a parallel for his relationship with his people. Why? Because God is all about relationship. He's all about love. And intimacy is like love solidified, magnified, love glorified. I don't know. Intimacy is a fruit of showing and expressing love, exchanging love with someone. It's got to be an exchange, Mr. Miller. It's got to be an exchange. And as we enter this year of intimacy... I want to challenge you. Some of you feel very unloved by God when you come to church. But what I want to challenge you is with is that God is so infinitely creative. If you look at the world, the flowers, the fish, the birds, there's such infinite variety because God is so creative. When God chooses to show his love to you this year, Don't box it up. Don't be like, God, I want you to show me love A, B, or C. That's it. And if you will not show me A, B, or C, I'm not going to pay attention to any other form of love that you show me. And what I want to challenge you this year is receive love from God. Receive love from from the church, from your friends and family. But receive love from God the way that God chooses to show that love. And that could be through, sometimes he'll, he'll just show his love through um, in a very quiet, reflective way, you know, and, and you just have this really great, quiet time with the Lord, and God just showed his love to you. I mean, he just illuminated something to you in that quiet place, and then you come out and say, well, it wasn't like the way that Pastor Christian's experiencing, that Luna's experiencing, so I guess that wasn't love. No, you just experienced the love of God. Sometimes God will speak to us through a sunrise, 
or sunset. And I'm not trying to get new agey here. I'm just saying, you look up at the sun, who created that thing? Who can, who can tilt the clouds in such a way where just when you look up and you're, you're like, God, where are you? And then boom, there's rays of sunlight coming out the clouds. And you're like, what a coincidence. God, where are you? <laughs> Tell you, I had so many quiet times where I will be literally verbally calling on the Lord. And all of a sudden, I feel sunlight on my face. And I look up and there's just this, this, this crack between the buildings or in the clouds. And somehow sunlight is on my face. And I'm like, is that you, Lord? And I'm just like, yeah, I guess it is. It could be coincidence. No, it's the Lord. And I'm just doing that. And, and I just, I just, God just does that over and over and over again. And God can, speak, he can show your love to you in that way too. If he does, receive it. And if it is coincidence, who cares? Just receive it anyway. <laughs> That's my logic. <laughs> I don't care. He still loves me. So I'll take it like, like he's loving me. Uh, sometimes it'll be through a prophecy. It'll be through a prophecy, you know. And the prophecy doesn't have to be uh, about your, like, foretelling your future always. Prophecies are not always about foretelling your future. Prophecies a lot of times will be establishing you in your identity. It'll be establishing things, confirming things that you already know. And God adding faith to it. So be like, come on, this is really important so that you can do the things that I'm about to prophesy over you. You got to get established in it. And God can show his love to you through a prophecy. Sometimes it can be through great power and supernatural manifestation. Some people, they, they will come up to me and I will pray for them. And they will get whacked under the power of God. And they'll be on the ground crying and shaking. And pe- people will get up and come up after and come up to me and say, Pastor Christian, what just happened to me? And I'll be like, Justin, God just showed you how great his love and power is for you. Right? And people are just like, whoa, whoa. Well, it was so strange. I was on the ground shaking. It felt like I was having a seizure. No, you weren't having a seizure. You were getting touched by the power of God. That's God saying, I love you. That's his calling card. God's supernatural, by the way, if you didn't know. He doesn't have to choose natural ways to show you his love. If now and then he shows it to you supernaturally, you just receive it. doesn't have to have like a purpose it can just be god saying i love you i didn't hear any revelations i didn't get any prophetic words it's okay god was just showing you he loves you he's showing you how he that he's in charge and he's god and you're not i mean and sometimes it could be through the hug of a friend of a pastor you know just just going out of the way. You know, a couple of weeks ago, and I don't know if this person will listen to this podcast, but a couple of weeks ago, I one during the offering time. You know, at offering time, I've been doing altar calls. I've been kind of doing altar time at the offering time at Itaewon because they need, they need that impartation. They need more of the Holy Spirit on them. So I, I just called up one girl, and, and we're prophesying over different people, and I just called up this one girl, and I said, come on up here, young lady. And she came up. She's like expecting a prophecy. And I said, here, here's, here's what God put on my heart. And I just hugged her. And then, and then she kind of, okay. <laughs> she went and sat down. <laughs> right after that Sunday, this girl has opened up her heart wide to our church. She wrote me an email and she said, 
I must join membership with your church now. <laughs> Pastor Christian, I know that I heard it's going to be out in March, but I need it now. I'll gather people. I'll make an announcement. I'll gather people. We'll have a membership class, but can we have it now? I said, girl, calm down. We'll get there. But yeah, I mean, even just do that. Don't think it's, oh, this is just uh, Luna hugging me. Oh, this is just Scott Houston hugging me. Oh, this is just Justin uh, hugging me. You know, no. Like, if you would just really pay attention, that could be God showing his love for you. And you know what? You just got to receive it. Hallelujah. So, brothers and sisters, this is the year of intimacy. I told you if I covered everything, it's going to take long. But uh, praise the Lord. That uh, this is the year of intimacy. First John chapter 4 says God is love. We're created in this image. That means we're created to love. We're created for relationship. And I'm telling you right now, don't just settle for just love, relationship. Go after intimacy. You don't really know. Like love is love. Love is good. Love is powerful. But love has depth. It has height. It has width. Love, love transcends time. It, it, you can, love is big. Love, the love of God is great, the Bible says. How great is the love of God? The more deeper you get into that love, we're talking about intimacy there. Don't just settle for just concepts, concepts of God's love. Go deep into the experiential relation, relational intimacy that you can have with God. Let's pray right now. Come on. Right now, I just want to ask everybody just to uh, take a moment and pray for your own heart. Once again, I just want to pray for your own heart. Some of you have walls up in your heart. In fact, you have, you don't have walls up when it comes to your friends, but when it comes to God, you got walls up. And it actually has to do with, it's rooted in your, in your strange relationship with your father. And you're projecting what you experienced with your natural father to God. And God is saying today, look, this is the year of intimacy. I want you to stop living like this. Put down those walls. And receive my love today. Receive my love throughout this year. Let me show you how great my love is for you. Let me show you how great my goodness is for you. There are other people in here. You don't have any problems receiving the love of God, but you got to learn how to discipline yourself and show your love to God. And by the way, if you're going to show love to God, show love to anyone, it requires discipline. It's not just based on feeling. It's a commitment. And that commitment brings forth disciplined action so that you can consistently show your love. Whatever boat you're in right now, I just wanted to just invite everybody just to begin to pray. Just pray. God, take me into intimacy. Whether it's to focus on your relationship with God or relationship with others. Pray for intimacy. Come on. All over this place.
we want to trade in all of the shallow surface relationships. We want to go deep in intimacy with you and with each other. God, we want to go deep in intimacy. Teach us your ways. Show us your ways. thing about intimacy is out of intimacy comes fruit and we get a perfect picture of this when a married couple they unite together in sexual intimacy out of that intimacy comes forth a new life and out of this year of intimacy there's going to be a lot of fruit in the lives of God's people where, where we thought fruit comes from just trying harder and serving more, what you're going to realize is a lot of fruit comes out of relationship. The grace that's on your neighbor is not always necessarily going to be imparted to you through the laying on of hands. Sometimes it comes through intimacy. And the things that that person has really pressed in for and they have learned and they've, it's been established in their hearts, you get to access that through your intimacy with them. That's what I've been learning in my relationship with Pastor Benjamin. There are so many things that I don't know about that Pastor Benjamin, he has. It's in his arsenal. It's, it's in his wisdom. It's in his, he's learned it. He's, he's paid a price for it. He's pressed him for it. And what I realized is I can access everything that he has through intimacy with Pastor Benjamin. And in fact, while he was here, I felt an enlarging of my boundaries. I felt an enlarging of my wisdom. I felt an enlarging in my faith and confidence. Just simply spending time and getting intimate with Pastor Benjamin. Brothers and sisters, you can experience that too. I believe that that's what God wants you to experience this year. Father, I just pray for every person in this room. Lord, today we just say that this is the year of intimacy. And we do not want to settle for just circumstantial, incidental relationships. But we want to make commitments. We want to be intentional. We want to be disciplined. We want to show and receive love. And we want intimate relationships in 2011. So God, I pray you would establish that with our families. Establish that in our friendships. Establish that in our marriages. And establish it here in this house, God. Intimate relationships that will bring forth beautiful fruit we just pray that we offer that before you lord in jesus name amen